I always love being here. Jeff's a spiritual father for me. He's one of my favorite people in the world, and this is always my favorite stage to be on, so thank you for welcoming me. But we're, you know, I have a shot clock that I have to look at, so let's just jump in. I'm going to start in Mark chapter 11, beginning in verse 12, and there's this curious little passage here that, and it, it says, the next morning as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. He noticed a fig tree in full leaf a little way off. So he went over to see if he could find any figs, but uh, there are only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. Then Jesus said to the tree, may no one ever eat your fruit again. And the disciples heard this. And then later on in the passage in verse 20, it says the next morning they walked by the cursed tree and they noticed it had withered from his roots. And I, I just think about this picture that Jesus was looking at this tree that it was early in the season, so there could have been a chance that there was figs, but it wasn't really time for there to be a harvest. But yet, when Jesus went to the tree and he examined it, he cursed it because this tree was meant to bear fruit. And I just think about that, how true that is. And that was also a prophetic picture for, for the nation of Israel and, 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 and what was about to happen. But, but what does that mean for us today because when I think about so many of us that carry the name of Jesus, that say that we're followers of Jesus, that say we're churchgoers, that show up every Sunday morning and every Wednesday, too often the truth about it is when you see us from a distance, we're, we're a full-figured tree full of leaves. But when you get close and you come to examine us, what you find is there's no first fruits, that we're just a tree and, and it's really the thing, I think most of the, when I travel a lot and for di various different reasons and very rarely do I ever meet someone that doesn't have this thought, that doesn't have this thing that's burning in them. And here's the thing, here's the question that I hear over and over and over. And it comes in many different forms, but this is the question. They say this, is this it? Is this really it? Like, is this what I was made for? Am I supposed to get up in the morning, get dressed, go to work, you know, do a good job, come home, have dinner, kiss the kids, put them back to, put them to bed and get up and repeat? Is, is this my life? And I mean, is, is the world really, did God need me for this? And so the first answer is, actually there's a couple of answers. One, no, God does not need you. That's the great thing. There's no real burden on us because God needs us for nothing. He chooses to use us. He chooses to transform us. He chooses to, to interact and be intimate with us, but he doesn't need us. And then the second question or the second answer to the question of is, is this it? The answer is no, this isn't it. Right? I, I, I want to say that to every one of us here. The truth is there's more. The truth is you were made for more. You know, your potential and the fullness of who God made you to be is actually unknowable in this moment. But here's what we do know. There's more. And so when you think about this picture, it's not, we were not meant to be trees that, that, that bore fruit in, you know, in, you know it, just in season. We were meant to. There's a beautiful picture at the end of Ezekiel 47 that I think is the picture that we should all be we're all looking to, it's the picture that we want to be. It says, fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of these trees will never turn brown and fall, and there will always be fruit on their branches. There will be a new crop every month. 
for they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be food and the leaves will be healing. Like I, I just love that picture. Here's the thing. You are designed. Your purpose is you're a tree that the minute you claim Jesus Christ is Lord, you're a tree that's watered by the river that flows from the temple. And you are made to bear fruit every month, every week, every day. And, and what you produce is meant to feed and heal the world around you. Like what, what a beautiful picture. And so the, the, my first thing I would say to you is I am talking to you. Right? This, this is the Lord is speaking to you. He's telling you that you're a fruit. You're a tree that's designed to bear fruit all the time. Always. And, and your fruit is to feed and heal those around you. I mean, what a, what a beautiful calling. So if you begin to look at it and go, my walk with Christ is, is meant for me to transform into what God made me to be, to walk in the fullness of my identity, to walk in the fullness of my destiny, to walk in the fullness of my calling so I can completely transform to be Christ-like. So, so those that come into contact with me, why? For one reason, because I'm watered by, by the river that flows from out of the temple. And because of that, those that are around me are meant to be fed and healed, period. It doesn't matter when. And so I don't, want, I don't want to live a life that when Jesus comes and from afar he sees me and when he walks up and he examines me, he goes, Brian, where's the fruit? Eh, Jesus, you know things have been tough. Work's a little bit harder. Our finances are tough right now. Candace and I, we're not just on the same page. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm so busy right now. There's just so many things going on. And we always have a reason, but Jesus is telling us you know, post-cross, post-resurrection, you are meant to bear fruit that will feed and heal everyone that comes in contact with you. That's our calling. That's the thing that we have. And that's what we see. I love at the last, John's account of the Last Supper is my, my favorite account of the, of, the, of the Last Supper. And in that, you know, John is talking, saying that Jesus, after the washing of the feet in, in John 14, he says some amazing things to me as a follower of Christ. And so I'm just going to paraphrase basically what, what, what Jesus says to the disciples. He said, hey, I got good news for you. I'm leaving. Like, if, if you've been walking with Jesus for three years, you think, how is that good news? Right? We even sing songs that says if Jesus was to walk in the room, and we talk about all the stuff that would happen. But that's not what Jesus said. I don't think Jesus would write that song. Because here's what Jesus told the disciples. He says, I'm leaving, and it's good for you. Like, this is good news. Because I'm leaving, the Spirit's coming. The Spirit's going to live in you, on you, reside in you. It's going to counsel you. It's going to remind you. It's going to tell you my scripture. It's going to tell you my commands. It's going to tell you when to obey. It's going to do all this stuff. And the other thing that's going to happen is everything that you've seen me do, you'll do that plus. He says, don't look at me as something that's not to be accomplished. <coughs> Jesus said actually something different. He said, I want you to understand the fullness of what I made you to be. I want you to understand that the minute that I die and I go to the right hand of the Father and the Spirit comes, what you've seen me do, I've actually designed for you to do that plus. 
Like that's a hard thought for us to get. You were designed, I was designed to be Jesus plus. And again, these aren't my words. These are Jesus's words. I mean, at some point I'm like, I didn't even feel right saying it, but that's what he's saying. Guys, do not be sad. I want you to be excited because I want you to understand what Ezekiel was saying thousands of years before. It's actually coming true now that at the temple, there's going to be living water that flows. And if you'll let it water you, you will actually do what I've been doing plus because I'm going to give you, you're going to have the same spirit that I had resting on me, but that I'm also going to be at the right hand of the Father. And anything you ask for that brings glory to me and my Father, it is done. Like what a thought, right? That, that is, and, and it, it drives me crazy about myself, and it drives me crazy about the church that if you look at America and you go, I thought there was a bunch of believers I thought this was a Christ-following nation, and every day we see less and less and less and less of the fruit that Jesus has risen. We see less and less in America the fruit of what the band was singing, that, that Jesus, I mean, that Jesus, 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 we see less of it. And why? And I'll tell you why, my opinion, it's because of me, and it's because of you. It's because we're walking and we're buying into religion. We're, we're walking down a path that is not what God says. We're looking at other people. We're wanting to be like them. And, and, and here's what God said. I made you to be something. But I made you to be something uniquely designed for you. And if you'll stay connected with me, because he says, hey, I'm leaving. This great thing's going to happen. The Spirit's going to counsel you. And then in John 15, right, and of course, when he was talking, it wasn't actually a break and moving chapters. It was this one thought. And he says, and so let me tell you how this is going to happen. you got to think in terms of I'm a vine and you're a branch. Like, that's an exciting thought, right? Congratulations, you're a branch. It's a dynamic branch, and we come in different sizes and shapes. But at the end of the day, we're a branch. What does a branch do? A branch stays connected to the vine. And if I'll stay connected to the vine, if I'll just stay in it, I will bear fruit year-round. I don't have to strive. I don't have to work. I have a job, and it stay connected to the source of life. That's it. That's, what I'm, that's the big call. That's, and it's not only a call, it's a gift that I get. Don't overthink this. Brian, you're not meant to be a doctor. You're not meant to be a lawyer. You're not meant to be an accountant. You're not meant to be an engineer. You're not meant to be a coach. You're not meant to be a teacher. You're not meant to be an entrepreneur. You're meant to be connected to me. And if you'll stay connected to me in that field, in that branch, there will be fruit that will change the places that I send you. It will bring life and it will heal everyone that you touch in the school, in the firm, in the marketplace. Place. Anytime you go somewhere, if you will just stay connected to me, there will be life everywhere that you go. And the gardener, my father, if you bear fruit, if you don't bear fruit, he's going to cut you off and be done with it. But if you do, here's this beautiful gift, and we as a church have a tendency to complain about it because I got good news. If you start becoming a branch that bears fruit, he will prune you. Bring it. Lord, prune me. How many of you woke up this morning and said, Lord, prune me? No, we're like, stop. No, that's what I'm telling you. That's the problem as the body. We're asking the Lord to stop. And Jesus says the great gift when you start showing fruit, I will prune you where there will be more fruit. And we're asking the Lord to stop. Right? Jesus said, I only do... (coughs) what the Father's doing, and I only say what the Father's saying, 
And so therefore, Jesus never said stop. When he's in the garden, he says, hey, man, I'm in, God, but is there any other way? No. All right, your will be done. The joy that's set before me, I'm in. Prune me. Because I want to be the name above every name. I want to be the name that every knee bow and every tongue confess. I want to be the name that bears fruit. I want to be the, the water that flows from the temple that all of your children, not only will they be reconciled with you, they will be trees that bear fruit in all season and their fruit will bring life and their leaves will become healing. And he says, that's what I have for you. So don't be sad when I leave. But yet we've sold the story. It's like, no, no, here's what you need to do. There's going to be an emotional moment at a campfire, probably in your youth. And someone's going to say, hey, if you want to have the hope of eternal life, if you come down right now and say a sinner's prayer, when you die, you can go to heaven. Now, I can't give you much hope for tomorrow. I can't tell you much about your future. But I can tell you, after you get through living this miserable life with no hope, no real purpose, when you die, it's going to get better. And that becomes a version of our gospel. And, and the truth is, if we're waiting for death for things to get better, Jesus is not your Savior, death is. Right? Jesus says, I died, and on the other side of the cross is everything that you need I have available for you now. And what I want to do is I want to transform you into a thing that's unrecognizable. I want you to be a fruit that will bear, a tree that will bear fruit in all season. And that's the thing that we're being called to. That's this great opportunity that the Lord has for us. He says in John 10, 10, it's one of my, <coughs> excuse me. It's one of my favorite verses, this idea. It says that Jesus came to, thank you. Do you have anything you want to say? Okay. just want to give him an opportunity. It says, hey, be ready in all season. And, uh, so thank you. Um, but in John 10, 10, it says this. It says that the, that, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, but I came to give you life in abundance. I came to make you a tree that bears fruit in abundance. I came to make you a tree that anytime I come and examine you, there's an abundance and everybody around will be fed and healed because of your presence. That's what I came to do. And so the enemy's his whole plan is to make sure that you never become that. His whole plan is, I don't want you to be a branch that's connected to the vine. His whole plan is, I don't want you to be a wild water hose that's connected to the source of life. Because if I can just get you distracted enough, then you'll never matter. Now that's a tough thought. But the truth is, the enemy's goal is not to physically kill us. Why? Because many of us are his best army. We're his best advertisement. Our religion, our self-righteousness, our pride, our, our, our self-pity, our complaining, our, our sour attitudes is the best thing that he's got going to make people hate the church and think that that's what Jesus is about. So they're not trying to kill us. They're trying to get us in front of more people. So what the enemy is, so it's, but, but, and, and so some, there might, there's some of us, you're living in this world that the enemy is trying to physically kill you. I mean, we have, we have you know, our life is this way. When our feet hit the floor, one of two things are happening. You know, you think about the, the, the demonic realm, there's, it says a third of the, the angels were cast out, so it's a limited army. And so they have one of two things to react when you get up. The first thing is they nudge each other and go, Brian's up. What's he, gonna, what's he got going today? That's one reaction. The second reaction is, hey, Brian's up. <laughs> things are great. Our message is going to get spread. A lot of people are going to be turned off on Jesus today. But it's one or the other. I mean, am I going to be someone that the enemy 
is so concerned when my feet hit the ground because I stay connected to the, to, the, to the water that flows from the temple and therefore everywhere I go, I bring life, I bring fruit. There is healing and abundance where I go. That's a choice that we have because it's never, the, the water is never the issue. The vine is never the problem, right? That is, the temple is solid and it says this water never stops flowing. And so our choice is, are we going to be a tree that's going to be rooted in it? Are we going to be a tree that says, I'm in, Lord, I'm in. At all costs, I'm in. I want you to take me where you want to take me. So back to Ezekiel 47 and just th- this idea. So the question becomes, and so my first hope is that, that the Lord will let us, that you'll receive this deep hunger. Your soul is thirsty. Your soul is thirsty for more. And, and the more is for you to transform into who God made you to be. For you to stop looking at the world, for you to stop focusing on your career, on your finances, on fame, on some kind of body image, any of that stuff. He's like, man, quit being distracted by that. Your soul says, I am thirsty for more. This, this candy that the society is feeding us, I'm malnourished and I need more. And the more comes in the sake of I need living water that will transform and wash over me. And this is this beautiful invitation that we're being invited to. And so the picture in, in Ezekiel says this, it says, in my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. There I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the doors of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on the south side. The man brought me outside the wall through the north gates and led me around the eastern entrance. There I saw water flowing out through the south side of the east gate. It says, measuring as he went, he took me along the stream, 1,750 feet, and at that moment it was ankle deep. He measured another 1,750 feet, and it was knee deep. Another 1,750, it was waist deep. He measured another 1,750, and then it became a river that no man could cross. You could swim it, but you couldn't cross it. He said, have you been watching, son of man? Then let me back onto the riverbank. When I returned, I was surprised at the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. Then he said to me, this river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living things wherever this water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. Who doesn't want that? Right? That is the invitation. That is what happened pre-cross. You're not getting that. Jesus says, man, the joy set before me, the river is going to flow. And where this river flows, it's going to bring life to dead things. If you've ever been to the Dead Sea, it says, man, that that thing's going to bring life. And there's going to be swarms of fish wherever it goes. I mean, that's the picture. But it says that it started <coughs> in levels. And so it's ankle deep, it's, it's, it's knee deep, it's waist deep. And so I don't want to get caught up in that because, you know, that would be maybe different levels of our being in on Jesus. And the truth is they all have the same thing in common. They're not enough. Right? If you're ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, don't even bother measuring it because it's the same thing. It's not enough. Right? It's, it's not where the river's flowing, where there's going to be abundant life flowing off of you. It's not enough. Because here's what all these things have in common. If I'm in a river that's ankle deep, knee deep, or waist deep, do I control the river or does the river control me? You think, you think River Jesus wants to be controlled by you? 
Do you think River Jesus wants you to say when we're going and when we're stopping? No, that's why it says when you move past that, when you go to a level where you no longer have control, so when you look at it and go, what does it mean for me to be in with Jesus? Let me tell you this. If there's any area of your life that you're telling God when and where, then you're in control and you're not a tree that's bearing fruit in all season. Very simply, you're not. Here's the great thing. At any moment you want to pick up your feet, you're producing. I mean, that's what I love about this picture here is we're not bound to it. And, and part of our free will love relationship with Jesus, he lets us decide. And in deciding, if you want to be in control, if you want to dictate how it's going to go, and I do think it's one of the toughest personalities. Like if you go, I mean, if you're like a control freak, you're like, yeah, that's me. Following Jesus is hard. It's hard because you want to be in control. And so what makes it easier is getting to know Jesus more. When I, the more I get to know Jesus, the more I'm, I'm in. And wherever you want to go, Jesus, because I, what I found is it's a lot better than where I go. So much better. Because Jesus is good. And, and, and so if you look at it and go, why does Jesus want you to be a fruit, a, a tree that bears fruit? Is it because he needs your fruit? No, because he made you and he knows you need it. He doesn't need it. Right? We're called to worship God not because God needs our worship. We're called to worship God because we need to worship him. Everything that you read here, God's not an egomaniac. God is a creator. You're the, you're, you're the creation. And he's going, I'm telling you how to live an abundant life. And I'm telling you some things that will completely mess you up. Some things that will jack you up. And all the things that you think you want, if you will do what I'm asking you to do, if you'll buy into my goodness, if you'll buy into that I will never withhold anything from you, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, I will only give you the absolute very best. And you're sitting there going, I'm not, it's, it's, the water's cold, right? You ever been to a cold, it's cold, like knee deep, ankle deep, waist deep. And here's the other thing. It's not a one-time jump. Like we love to go, I'm all in, right? Many men, I go, you know, go to the men's retreat every year and, and a lot of people jump in. And then within two weeks, they're back to, to ankle deep. Did they really jump in? They absolutely jumped in. And so you look at it and go, it's not something that you do one time. You know, a guy told me in 1972, I was baptized by the Spirit. Well, that's awesome. But the early church was baptized in Acts 2, Acts 4, Acts 6. They just kept being filled and baptized with the Spirit. It's not a one-time act. It's every morning I jump in and say, Lord, I pick up my feet. I have no control. This is where you want to go, when you want to go. We're going to stop, and we're going to say, and we're going to do whatever you're doing because I'm nothing more than a water hose. I'm nothing more than a branch. You are the tree of life. You are the temple where the water flows, and I just want to make sure wherever I, wherever I go that I have branches and fruit that will feed and heal the nations of everybody I touch. Now think about that. Brian, who are you talking to? I'm talking to you. You know, God's talking to me. He's talking to you. He says, I made you to feed and heal everyone you come in contact with. And here's the great thing. He's like, Brian, I've been toxic my whole life. So who cares? So the world's going to really see the difference that you, you walk in now. I've got, Lord's really going to be uh, 
glorified in your transformation. They go, what happened to that grumpy old dude? Jesus, right? He hit the river, right? The river is just wrecking his world, and, and, and he's bearing fruit that is feeding us all and changing us all. And so we just look at it and go, what's the thing? I just want to talk briefly about four, four things, and there's a bunch of them, but there's four things that I see in walking with people and counseling with people and just, you know, just part of my calling is I want to walk with people and help them be all in and be a tree that bears fruit in all seasons. And so I find typically four things that keep showing up that gives, even if we jump in, it sucks us back to this area we're back in control. And the first thing that I would just say, as a body of Christ, we've got to stop complaining. You've got to stop complaining at the season you're in. You've got to stop complaining about your job, your family, your spouse, your kids, your neighbors, your car, your wardrobe, your weight. Whatever it is you're complaining about, stop complaining. God's Word is very clear. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, He says, In all things give thanks. Yeah, but Brian, it's so hard. I understand. But He says, In all things give thanks. I don't know what to give thanks to. Well, give thanks to God for his son. Give thanks for the cross. Give thanks that we get to thank God for the spirit. Thank God for a counselor. Thank God for a comforter. Thank God for a redeemer. Thank God for a deliverer. Because all of this stuff is temporary that in one day I'm going to live and I can thank you right now that I have hope in all things. And so in all things give thanks. Give, give thanks. The body of Christ, there is not a place where we're allowed to complain ever. And guys, when someone comes to you and complaining, if you want to be a good brother and sister, in love, call them out and say, will you stop, please? Seriously, I'm not, I mean, I love when people laugh. I'm not trying to be funny. Tell them to please stop complaining and let's turn it to a praise session. The other thing is we got to stop feeling so sorry for ourselves. Right? We, we live in this world of woe is me. Again, I don't ever see an example where Jesus you know, attached to self-pity. Think about Jesus. He, he, he came, God became man. He lived this perfect life. He's, he's walking around with a bunch of knuckleheads that just aren't getting it. And, and then the whole, everybody's trying to kill him everywhere he goes. He's rejected. He's still going to, he's like, God, I'm in. Right? Is there any other way? Nope. Okay, I'll do it. He goes in, they arrest him, they beat him. Pilate's trying to say, hey, let's do this different. I find no fault in this man. Hey, let's let him free. Uh, you know, once a year, you go, and they start going, no, 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 Barabbas, Barabbas, a murderer. Now, what would you be thinking after you were beaten beyond recognition and you're, dry, you're dragging this cross up a hill? What would you be thinking? A little self-pity? A little woe is me? Like, God, this is a bad deal. They don't even appreciate us. They're never going to get it. I don't know why I work so hard. No, it says Jesus stayed connected to the source, his father, and he goes up the hill. And, and the first thing, it says the joy that was set before him. And then once he's crucified, he comes up and says, Lord, forgive them. Like, I'm not, there's no complaining here. The only reason they're acting that way is, Lord, forgive them. They don't know who you are. They don't know who I am. They don't understand your goodness. They don't get this gift. By the way, everybody that offends you that you want to walk into a state of self-pity or complaining, it's all just lack of understanding. Lord, forgive them. It's what we're called to. It keeps us in this place of thankfulness. It keeps, us, it keeps our heart ready to just flow wherever Jesus is wanting to send us. 
You know, the other thing that you look at, and I see this over and over and over, is this idea of unforgiveness. If I was going to describe, actually I was at a group of young adults and just ask them, hey, what word would you use to describe the gospel? And there was all these beautiful words and it came to me and my, my word was actually forgiveness. Right? It's, it's at the beginning of the gospel, yet while we were still sinners, he died on the cross for us. God forgave us when we had nothing for him. He says, man, I just love you. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to wipe it clean. Jesus is going to pay the price. And here's the thing. I forgave you, so you forgive them, period. And we just continue. I'm amazed at how often people in the church will stand up and just make a statement, I will never forgive them. And I'm like, man, you're not listening to what the king says. Guys, here's the thing. I don't have to understand forgiveness. I don't have to uh, be able to even explain forgiveness. I'm a citizen of the king, and my king says everybody that lives in my kingdom will forgive no matter. And so, therefore, I have no choice but to forgive. And he says, because I forgave you, you're going to forgive others, and then you're also going to receive more forgiveness, and you are going to flow and be this beautiful thing. And so we have to just continue to come into agreement with that because the minute we attach to unforgiveness, we're back. We're no longer in the deep end. We're back to this shallow area. And again, I don't want to sound callous or I don't understand all the things. I know that many people have been hurt in unbelievable ways. Like I get that. I don't want to minimize it all. But what Jesus is saying is I'm bigger than it. I'm bigger than your hurt. I'm bigger than the betrayal. I'm bigger than what was said against you, what was done against you. I'm bigger than it. I can redeem it. I can restore it. I can make it a beautiful thing. But I just need you to come into agreement with forgiveness so I can do what it is that I'm going to do. Because I want you to be, I want to feed your soul the oxygen because it's being choked out by this unforgiveness. It's being choked out by some things. And so real quick, the last thing is unconfessed sin. Um, you know, all new creation starts with confession of sin. I had a friend of a friend that called me and hooked me up with a guy that had, had made some mistakes and he left me a message and I heard his message. And I instantly go, okay, that's the guy that's still in bondage. And he gets me, he calls me back. I get him on the phone and quickly just in, in this conversation say, hey, you know, I don't know you. You don't know me. We don't have to play games. Uh, I can hear in your voice, you're not free. You got some things you need to go tell some people. Go tell them and you'll be freed from it. And so, he said, I'll do it next week. I'm like, oh, he won't. But he called me back in seven days. The minute I heard his voice, I knew he was free because that's what God does. He's now in revival. He's now a branch that's bearing great fruit because he said, I'm going all in and it doesn't matter the cost. And so, Jesus, we just thank you that you want us to be a tree that bears fruit, that you have so much more. So right now, just say more, Lord, and ask the Spirit of God, Lord, is there anything and it might be some of the four things we talked about might be something else. Will you instantly come into agreement with God's goodness? And will you lay down those things you need to lay down? As we move towards communion and prayer time, get rid of anything right now that keeps you from flowing that is the river of Jesus. Just right now, in Jesus' name, be done with it. Attached to his goodness, attached to his abundance, just attached to the heart of Jesus and just come into agreement. And Lord, we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.